This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Hello, everyone. It's me, Nigel Seeley. Welcome along to the latest edition of Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, the tennis betting podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sports book. We're reaching the latter stages now in three tournaments on a bumper week on the ATP Tour. It's ATP Tour 250 events in Bastard over in Switzerland. Oh, sorry, that is in Sweden, sorry. Gustard over in Switzerland and Newport over in Rhode Island in America. And joining me to look ahead to, we've highlighted six matches for you tomorrow, is our senior ATP Tour handicapper. It's Sean Calvert. Sean. Uh, a busy week, evening. lots of action going on. Uh, good evening yeah. to you. A little, a little bit, we're a little bit later than usual today, a little bit of action. Before we go into the, the bets you've got this week and the, the matches you want to talk about for tomorrow, let's just talk about the conditions. And I know that a lot of people have uh, messaged me about how they like the idea of the conditions and the breaking down of the elements of what we've seen. What you've seen so far in Bastard, is it what you expected? Is it, it is it slower? Is it quicker? Is there any sort of advantage for anybody playing in Bastard over in Sweden? Uh, still waiting for the stats to come through. Actually, there's only stats from the first three games, which th- three matches, shall I say, which is not really very useful. Uh, from my own sort of watching of the matches, uh, it it still looks pretty slow. I mean, it's it's one of the slowest clay court tournaments of the year. Um, and now I remember, if you remember, when I talked at the start of the week about the rain, it hasn't really materialised. The, the forecast was, I think it was, it wasn't so much wrong, but it's, I think it was delayed. So the rain that they said there was going to be coming this week in, in Borstadt and, and Gestad and, and over most of Europe, actually, is going to be next week, which is incidentally when we're in Hamburg. So um has got a roof, the Rothenbaum, by the way. So um, we'll be, I should imagine we'll be sat under that roof quite a bit next week. Um, as far as Borstad's concerned, uh, Borstad, should I say, Friday looks fine. Uh, and then rain's going to be setting in for the week. So Saturday, Sunday, sort of semi-final finals day. That could be affected by the rain. So you might be in a situation where some players have to play twice in a day. You know, we just don't know. It depends how how heavy and, and sort of frequent that rain is. But yeah, slow conditions in Warstad. It's um it's it's one of the slowest of the year. Now, with uh the possibility of someone playing two matches in a row, we look at the age. You look at the age of players, you know, younger players, older players. Is that sort of an advantage for a younger player? I know a handicapper who messaged me the other day and mentioned about looking at players who are younger. And he reckons that the younger players under the age of like 26, 27 are, are beating the guys a bit older in these kind of conditions. I don't know if it's something that you have ever thought about when you are handicapping these kind of tournaments. Yes, I wouldn't say it's necessarily age, although that's that's obviously the case if you've got a guy who's like 35, 36, 37. Um, I, I tend to look at their fitness record, you know, how they've got on, whether they consistently keep breaking down with injuries, you know, or not. Um someone like a Hulk Arun who was playing today in Hotman Cup, clearly not fit, played anyway for, for whatever reason. Um, I would look at their fitness records, yeah, and, and also their motivation, you know, because there's Hamburg next week, which is a big tournament. Um, there's If you look at the, the record of, of Borstadt, 
Um, it's got it actually features most underdog winners in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final. Fifty-one percent of underdogs winning quarterfinals in Borstad, fifty-six percent in semis, and fifty-six percent in the final. So that suggests to me that some players, once they've got to that latter stage, they've had a couple of matches under their belt. They think, well, okay, I'm not that bothered about winning this title. I'm going to head over for next week. So a lot of motivation as well. If there's if there's if a player you think has got a an, an obvious motivation, maybe he's a home player or whatever, um, then yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors to sort of take into consideration when the weather does, um, you know, affect things. We do know the quarterfinals tomorrow in Barstad, and we have uh, two matches we're going to talk about. The two matches we're not, the lines are going to come up a little bit later. Kasper Ruud, the number one seed against Offner, and Zverev, the number five seed against Rublev, which is probably the most eagerly anticipated quarterfinal of the four matches in play. The first match we're going to speak about is Francesca Serendulu, who's a very heavy favourite against Federico Correa in a uh, all uh, Argentinian battle. Uh, Francesca Serendulu has a very, very heavy. Uh, well, oh, sorry, he has. To, he doesn't have a very heavy. It's uh, it's the other player. It's Curio's a very heavy. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. head record. Yeah, he's six two up. I saw the record. All the matches on clay. Uh, the last time they met was in twenty twenty three. Curio won, uh, but it, obviously uh, Serendulu uh, retired in the second set. Uh, Serendulu here is minus two ninety five. Uh, Federico Curio is plus two thirty. The head to head is very much in favour of Curio. Uh, if you look to the Bet Rivers website, they have the spread here at three and a half. Korea plus three and a half at plus one twenty-eight. This is a man who has a six-two head-to-head winning record, and the total is twenty and a half. Um, how do you see this one? I mean, Serendula has had some sort of played a lot of tennis this year, a lot of lot of action. Could be a little bit tired. We've seen a lot of players withdrawing, a lot of players' fitness concerns about them, and it could be a sort of a time of year where you might want to fade the favourites. Yeah, as I said, there's there's a there's a, a long and storied history of of um, underdogs winning quite a lot in Borstad. I think roughly forty percent of them win overall. Um, as I said, fifty one percent in the last nine editions have won uh, in the quarterfinals of Borstad. Serendello is obviously the defending champion. We had we had him last year, didn't we? At sixty to one, um, he, was, he was nowhere near that price this year, was he? Um, this is a, an interesting one. Corrier actually proposed to his girlfriend on the beach the other day, just as a matter of interest. That's him um, finished. This, that's him. That's him done. Well, he this was before he started, and then he beat my guy Bayers in the first round. Bayers was awful that day, but you've got in these slow conditions, you've got to beat Correa. He just makes ball after ball after ball after ball, and and eventually, against a lot of players, they they just miss one, which is what happened to Bayers. Although he still should have won that match. He was four two up in the final set tiebreak. Still, still managed to lose it. Um, Correa's former finalist here. Um, I think he lost to. Casper Rude a few years ago, but I mean, I think when you're looking at this head-to-head, it, it, it's it's a while ago. I mean, the last two wins for Correa, as you've said, have been by way of retirement. Uh, the last time they met, Serendola was number 116 in the world, and he was a 2.31 plus 131 underdog. Um, that was in 2021. You know, times have changed since then. Um, I think this is I think this is a match that I'd be tempted to look at the overs. Because the way Serendolo plays, he is quite quite inconsistent. If he plays his A game for two sets, he'll I imagine he'll win. But he doesn't tend to do that very often. And and Correa, as I said, makes you play a lot of a lot of balls that a lot of players they they just tap out of some of these values because it's it's just monotonous with Correa. If you've ever seen him play, it's there's nothing there's nothing flashy about it. It's just make a ball, make a ball, and 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 wait for the other guy to miss. Um 
it's a, it's a match that Serendolo should win. It's all on Serendolo's racket. It's just a question of how he how he shapes up on this particular day. Um, for me, I think the betting angles, as I said, over over games is is, is twenty point five. The line you said, yeah, that's certainly of interest. Um, but I think I'd probably be tempted by the um, the two one to Serendolo. I think he'll get it done eventually. But I suspect he'll have a set where he goes off the ball and Corey will be only too happy to mop up the pieces. Uh, that's a plus two seventy chance with Bet Rivers. Plus 270, there's 28 different markets available on the Bet Rivers website. This match starts quite early as well, so head to the Bet Rivers website to make sure. So this match here starts at 3.30 local time, so that'll be around about uh, 10.30 a.m. Eastern over in the States. So Korea, Serendula is the first match we talk about. The next match we're going to talk about is Massetti against Misolic, 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 I think, yeah. Misolic, yeah, you, you're much better than me on these pronunciations. This is a very I, early I just start. sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, you do. I'm just assuming Misolic is correct. Much, I, I, struggle, I struggle all the time with these names. But anyway, Misolic, it's a, a 6 a.m. start. So it's the first match on court. It's 11 o'clock local time here. And Misolic is someone that I don't really know much about, but I've actually bet him in the last two rounds and I've actually won. I've bet him against Lajovic because I thought Lajovic may have a bit of a hang-up over his Wimbledon form when he got beat by uh, Choinsky. And yeah, then I bet box him. as well, didn't he? Yeah, and then, I, then I, I bet him in his last round uh, match as well, but it was a real, real end-to-end match against Kovalic. And um, mm. I, I think here he's, he's plus 460. He's up against Lorenzo Massetti's minus six seven. See, we know the head to head is zero, and we also know that the world ranking in Massetti is ranked sixteen, and the uh, and the Austrian is plus a, is one hundred and thirty ninth in the world ranking. But minus six seventy does seem to me a little bit uh, disrespectful when you consider that what uh, Misolic has done coming through this uh, this is qualification again through the qualification to the main draw. The handicap here is five and a half, minus five and a half. Massetti's plus 105. Misalic is minus 134. And the total does seem very low here at 19 and a half with over uh, quite a warm favourite at minus 130. I'm quite interested in the underdog here, not necessarily on the to win market, but I, I'm looking at maybe the over the games, the handicap, possibly even Massetti's win two sets to one. Are you in the same kind of thinking or you think that the Italian gets a job done pretty easy? I think it depends what sort of frame of mind Massetti's in. You know, he's a he's a former Hamburg, in fact, he's a defending Hamburg champion, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Next week. And that that would sort of set a few alarm bells ringing for me about a player going deep the week before he's got a defender, a bigger title next week. So that is a big, big off. factor. Yeah, do you think, think, that's, do you think that's a big, big factor in terms of your handicapping, Sean, genuinely, when you look at the players the week ahead, is it really... Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something that I, I do look at and more on the outrights really than the, than, than the sort of match bets, but it, it, it can apply to the match bets as well. I mean, this one is a, is a case in point. Um, to be honest, I think Misalic has been a little bit fortunate this week in some of his matches. He got bageled by the world number 365 in qualies. And then his, in his next match in qualies, he only had to play one point. <laughs> Damir Dezuma had enough after one point, probably the earliest retirement in, in tennis history. Uh, so he only had to, he didn't have to play that match, obviously. The Dusan Lajevic match, Lajevic was four two up in the first set, and then he had a set point in the second set. So that that could have gone Lajevic's way easily. He was a couple of points away from a straight sets loss against Kovalik. Yeah, I think he's written his written his look a little bit, but if you look at his stats, um, of the two main draw matches that he's played, forty six percent second serve points won. Not not great. I think he's been relying on the first serve quite a bit. He's won a healthy, very healthy seventy eight percent of first serve points. 
um, in his couple of main draw matches here this week. Um, not really breaking enough, 17%, but that those sort of stats tend to lead me towards the overs. Um, I didn't think Messessi was was great in his opening match, as you would probably expect from a guy that's played quite a bit on grass this summer and it's you know coming over to the clay. Th- there is that lingering feeling, isn't there, that Massetti might just be using this as a warm-up for next week. That that's that would what would worry me if I happen to be a, a sort of short price backer of of Massetti. Um I probably I'd probably go overs here if I was betting on this match. I'm not I'm not wild about Misalich to be honest, but I think Massetti will do well to put him away sort of six three, six three. I think he'll 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 do very well to do that. Yeah, I like the 19 and a half over here. I think that's a good bet. And you can obviously go to the bet with his website and move that up to 20 and a half, 21 and a half, a bit more, bit of more juice in your price because the 19 and a half or 20 and a half isn't really much different. So you might get a better price on that. But uh, I think Mazzetti has it quite tough uh, against uh, Mishalic. Minus 670 with the Italian is something that uh, is a bet that uh, I really want to get involved in. Uh, let's move across now. We've gone from Sweden across now. We're going to Switzerland to Gustard. And again, we have four quarterfinals we've only got prices on two of them because the last two quarterfinals have just been announced while we've uh we, we just just before we've recorded this we've got bergs against kickmanovich which is a game we're going to come up we have uh, virilas against ramos Venolis, which we don't have prices on kachin against muna um which is a, a very interesting one because muna leads six nil on the head's head against kachin yeah and we have yes. hanferman against uh Med- medjikovic hamad medjikovic and uh let's start with that game uh hanferman against medjikovic uh, the odds here are minus 180 for the German, who was uh, the pre-tournament favourite against Medjidovic, who's been a bit of a surprise package here. He's plus 143. If you look at the clay court record for them both, Hanferman is 29 and 12 in 2023. Medjidovic is 19-6. Medjidovic has had a really, really good run here. He's come through two tough qualifying matches. He beat Dominic Team. We touched on that match last time we spoke. And uh, he's in good form here. And again, this potentially could be a difficult match to for the favourite here. But before we go on about the odds, we'll come on to the odds in a minute. The conditions again, Sean, what's it like? What are you thought about it? Is, is your pre-tournament uh, and, uh, expectations of how the conditions are, how you thought they would be, or is there anything you, you want to change here? The weather looks quite good here. It does at the minute, but this this supposed thunderstorms that they've been talking about all week are now meant to be coming tomorrow. They're about five day, four or five days late, three or four days late from from what they originally predicted. So, the thing with thunderstorms, though, you, if it just misses the area, it, it it's going to be fine. You know, you, you don't really know. Um, as far as the conditions are concerned, it, the the stats that I've got for this this season's edition of of Gestard is pretty typical. Eighty uh, percent service holds, seventy two percent first serve points won. It's 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 as we thought because the the rain hasn't affected things yet at all. There's a couple of tiny drops or something, but it's been pretty hot, pretty warm. Um, the thunderstorms have completely passed by the area, which is fortunate for the tournament. So conditions are, are as you normally expect, quick altitude. You know, the kick serve is, is, a, is a big weapon. It's it's a court you can hit winners on. It's a, you know, it, it's quick conditions as as per normal. So nothing's really changed there. Hanferman is minus 180. Medjubic is plus 143. If you look at the handicap, it's two and a half. Hanferman minus two and a half is minus 115. Medjidovic is uh, minus plus two and a half is minus one ten. The total is very high, twenty two and a half. Um, Hanferman has obviously been involved in some long matches, and Medjidovic has been involved in a very long match against uh, Dominic Team. 
I think he was for me, was it? Hamp for many. We had a tie break, didn't we? It ended up being seven five in the third. It was, yeah, it was going well. But the, the 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 point here is though is that we're playing the altitude here in the games. If you look at the total games, they've been they've been quite high, and there's been a lot of uh, long matches in terms of um, first sets and second sets over nine and a half. I over ten and a half has been cashing as well. So, yeah. uh, do you think that will should continue here? The trend here. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought so in Hanfman's match against Altmaier. I think that that was very unlucky. I, I think that was an excellent price that Bet Rivers put up there, two point six five. I think it was about a tiebreak in the match. They should they should probably have been one in set one and set three, but they they managed to put in a bad service game. Hanfman in the first set, Altmaier in the in the third set, both um, failed at, at the business end of the set, which was annoying. Um, I wasn't that impressed with Hanfman off the ground against Altmaier. He only won forty percent of his second serve points, but you know, you could. The other side of that is that it was his first match at altitude coming from the grass. It's not easy to adjust. You know, the ball does fly a lot. Um, so tough for him. Once when he won that first match, he said predictably, he said, "I love this court. Every year I look forward to this tournament. It's one of my absolute favourite spots." And we know he goes well. He's a six-three win loss. Hanfman, eighty-nine uh, percent holds a serve at this at this tournament in those nine matches, uh, and a service points one, return points one total of one hundred and three. So. As we expect, Hanfman is is effective. Medjedovic, um, bit of a new kid on the block, plenty of power, can get a bit emotionally. Certainly got a bit um, a bit fraught during that Dominic team match. Um, I, I mentioned about that match, didn't I? I said Medjedovic was in with a decent chance, but I just didn't feel the prize was quite attractive enough. In the end, it, I was probably a bit greedy on that, and he did he did win this this Dominic team renaissance. It's not it's not happening. It's it's not happening. It may happen at some point, but. I'm not convinced. Um, Medjedovic was a little bit fortunate on the stats, actually, to to win. He won six fewer points in the match, but you could also argue that team only won 25% of his second serve points. And and again, he just, his standard wasn't the same as it was the previous round against against Muller. I think this would be tight. You know, Medjedovic has got a good kick serve. He's got decent power, similar sort of uh, play to, to, to Hanfman, really, similar sort of power levels. I can see why it's 22 and a half. Um, I'd be tempted with either the over 22 and a half or again, tie break play, which I think is a plus 150 chance um, with Bet Rivers. I think, I think it's going to be a, a tight one with um, serves dominating. It does do that way. Uh, so head to the Bet Rivers website. Obviously, if you do place a bet on the Bet Rivers website, you will be able to live stream all these tournaments from the comfort of your own home on your tablet or your phone. And this is an early start. Again, it's 5.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's move on to the next match. And this is quite an interesting one. Uh, it's Cezu Bergs up against Mimo Kekmanovic. Uh, I watched the Cezu Bergs match the other day against, uh, who was it? He played the Russian guy. I can't remember his name now. Um, Jerry, then he played Rodionov. Rodionov, yeah, Rodionov. And it went on for ages, and it was a real topsy-turvy game. Bergs put a lot of energy, in it, a lot of energy into that. Rodionov uh, got a blister on his hand or cut his hand, and then suddenly the game changed a little bit. The match changed a little bit. Should have won it, but, really, Rodionov, but I'll talk about that in a minute. He, he, he should have done. But uh, Bergs has come through. He beat our pick, uh, Jerry. He got come through two qualifying matches. And uh, he's reached the quarterfinals in an ATB tournament for the very first time. And he's plus 180 to progress through to the semifinals. Kekmanovic is minus 230. Obviously, Kekmanovic is a much more proven opponent. Uh, this is a 4.30 a.m. Eastern time start. Kekmanovic is minus 230, as I said. The spread here is three and a half. Kekmanovic minus three and a half, minus 103. Bergs plus three and a half is minus 125. And the total, again, is 22 and a half. I'm not quite sure where the Bergs can keep that energy going. I think he looked absolutely exhausted 
after that game against Rosanoff, which I watched. And um, I think Kekmanovic, uh, maybe, may, I think Kekmanovic could possibly win this quite easily. I don't know if you agree on that or not. Yeah, I think it does depend how much he's got left in the tank. He's obviously mm. played a lot more this week than, than Kekmanovic has. Kekmanovic's only played two sets. Um, just briefly on that, Roddy and off match, Bergs did nick it, really. He won five points fewer in the match. He won 8% fewer first serve points, 6% fewer second serve points, 5% fewer return points, and he won the match. So sometimes that's how it goes. It's not It's not the statistics of how many points you win, but the, the ones you do at the right time. And anyway, he obviously did, he won the, the big points at the right time, which is, you know, all you need to do. But a little bit of burglary on the stats, really. Um Kekmanovic, as I said before, is, is a is a champion at altitude. Previously, won uh, Kitzbühel on the clay, at slightly less altitude than this a couple of years ago, twenty twenty, I think it was. He dealt with Stricker pretty well in the opening in the opening match, which I thought would be a tough one for for Kekmanovic. But Stricker didn't serve well at all. You know, Stricker's big serve in these conditions, you know, is is aggressive game. It's that's that's what Stricker's all about. And he only made forty three percent of his first serve points. Stricker it wasn't enough, nowhere near enough to to beat Kekmanovic, who He's a, he's a he's a tough character to to kind of pick, isn't he, Kekmanovic? He's a bit he's a bit up and down. It's it's a difficult one. If you look at his um, just if we just quickly look at Berg's first of all at main level, um, all surfaces last twelve months he's two seven win loss and his service points one return points one total of ninety seven. So you can see he's got work to do at this level. He mainly plies his trade on the challenger circuit at the moment, but he's you know he's been tipped by a few people to be a decent player in the future. Kekmanovic. Very average stats, 27 wins, 28 losses, and a total service points, one return points, one total of 100. Um, again, not great, but, but all right, better than Berg's. Um, he's certainly a better player at the moment, so you would you would expect him to win this match. But I, I also looked at what he's done when he's been priced up between 1.41 and 1.5 at main level. That's between minus 244 and minus 200. He's not overly reliable. 12-10 win loss, and he's lost his last three. Kekmanovic, so not a favourite you would normally want to be backing in this sort of price range. I think he'll win it, Kekmanovic, but I, I don't think I could win. I don't think I could bet him at that price. Berg's has held served ninety one percent of the time so far this week in his four matches, so it could take Kekmanovic a little while. I think he's definitely the better player off the ground. I've not been that impressed with Berg's off the ground away from that serve, and um, you can get him into the rallies. His second serve points, I think he's, I think he's vulnerable. Kekmanovic should win it, but I wouldn't bet him. I don't think. No, uh, I think it was a difficult one. Bergs, we see what he's got, it's, uh, but he did look exhausted in that match, that long, long match. Uh, let's move across to Newport, America, Rhode Island, uh, grass court event. John Isner against Tommy Paul in the Battle of the Americans. But before we talk about that match, which is an intriguing match, what are the conditions like, Sean? Is it fast? Is it is it slower than Wimbledon? Is it quick? Is, well, judging by the people who got through, it looks quite quick. No, it's not quick. It's, no. that, it's surprising no, when it's... we think John Isner's got through, Tommy Paul's got through. Kevin Anderson was uh, doing well in the tournament as well. It's a tournament that if you if you if you serve if you serve in big like Isner like Anderson on pretty much any surface, you're going to hold a lot of the time. Even even on the clay, Isner's done done well on the clay. Um, off the ground in the rallies, it's not it's not particularly quick. It, it's almost got like a bit of a dead bounce. It bounces sort of quite low. Um, it's it's quite slow. I mean, it averages eighty one percent holds. Um, uh, 74, 74.6% first serve points. Well, and that puts it around about the same speed as a sort of Eastbourne, maybe Wimbledon, but it's it's quite an unusual conditions. It takes a while to get used to it. It's, 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 it's a peculiar type of grass. It's not, 
it's not the easiest surface to get used to, but um, John Isner certainly got used to it over the years, but not the quickest. Um, but if you look at the last seven winners, as I said, Cressy, Anderson, Isner, Johnson, Isner, Karlovic, it tends to be a surface that does, it, it rewards the big surface, but I wouldn't say it was ostensibly quick, no. Double's match, uh, John Isner's uh, the underdog here, plus 175. He does lead the head-to-head 2-0. The last time they met was in 2020. Uh, Isner won two sets to one with a tie break, which is no surprise in the first set. In 2017, they won before in Cincinnati. Isn't Isner won 6-3-6-3. But obviously, Tommy Paul is a very, very different opponent now. He's 225 to win this match. And he's a he's a decent favourite on the handicap. And the totals here, or the total here, is uh, is very high. I've got to... I haven't got it in front of me. Let me just, my, my computer just frozen. But the Probably total here and is 24 is and a half. 24, 24 and a half. half. Okay. Minus 118 for over, minus 107 for under. And the handicap here, or the spread is two and a half. Tommy Paul giving up two and a half, minus 106 with Isner minus 120. Um, Isner's record is fantastic. Um, Paul has been a, a favourite that we can't trust over the last few weeks. Um, he's played a lot of tennis. Can Isner get the job done here at plus 175? I've taken him, yeah, I took him at uh, 2.8 earlier on today. I'm taking a bit of a risk on Isner's fitness because he has been um, struggling a bit in in recent times with a, a foot problem that he's had. I think he seems to be over that now, though. If we just look at Tommy Paul against big servers, or the big servers that I've got listed as such in my database, he's three and eight win-loss in completed matches, three wins, eight losses. And in those matches, he's won 30% of return points. So he struggled against big servers. He played... Milos Raonic, a very less than fit Milos Raonic at Wimbledon, who was running on fumes, had barely played for two years, and he still he won it, Tommy Paul, but he sort of struggled through it in four close sets. It wasn't it wasn't easy for him. If you look at the two matches he's played against John Isner, um, he's won an astonishingly low twenty three percent of return points. So he's he's barely getting anything on the John Isner serve. Um, the question is for for betters and for myself is. Is John Isner still capable of somewhere near his best level? If he is, I think he's an excellent bet here. I've, I've taken the chance that he is. If we look at Isner's stats in Newport, 27-6 and six win lost in his career, 94% holes of serve. The service points won and return points won total of 107. He's actually won, this will probably surprise some people, he's actually won 33% of return points at this tournament. That's compared to a career average on grass of all main level tournaments of 29.6%. So he returns three and a half, four 4% better here in Newport than he does elsewhere. The other grass court tournaments. I think that's because it, it is slightly slow. It does give him an extra second or so on the return. It just, he's, he's not at his best. I don't think in lightning quick conditions, this because you can, you can just move him around too much and it's, it's, it's not, it's not suitable for him. That's why he's gone well on clay over, over the years. Cause he does get, he does have that extra time to, to get his return game going. Um, just check the two matches that he's played this week in terms of stats. Again, he's won 33% of return points and 91% holds of serve. Experience, I think, is on this court is very is a big thing in, in Newport. It is slightly unique conditions. Tommy Paul's only played one match here, which was against the youngster uh, Quinn the other day, so he's not used to conditions. And Isla's won 78% of his tie breaks in Newport over his career. So I think if Isla's got Enough left. He does tend to play his best when he's comfortable. Like when he got to the final of Dallas, which is around the corner from his house. Here he's very, very comfortable. Not so much the tour grind for him these days. Happy to take Isner at um at that price, yeah, for sure. 
Isner can produce his form. It's definitely going to be on this court. This is definitely a tournament where he's had a fantastic record. He's plus 175 with Bet Rivers to beat the inconsistent Tommy Paul. The final match we're going to talk about is Mackenzie McDonald up against Alex Mickelson. Uh, Mackenzie McDonald is minus 177. Mickelson is plus 143. I don't really know much about Mickelson. He's 190 in the world. But he's one thing I do know about him, he's on great form. He won the Chicago Challenger. He's come through uh, two matches here, beat Cressy and Duckworth, two very, very capable uh, grass court players. And he's got Mackenzie McDonald, who coming into this tournament hasn't been in the greatest form, lost in the first round at Wimbledon. He reached the semifinals at Eastbourne, but his Wimbledon defeat against Bublik was a disappointment for him here. But he's 170, he's minus 177. The handicap is two and a half, minus 112. McDonald's minus 113. Mickelson receiving two and a half, and the total is 22 and a half. Yeah, you said it there. McDonald's very inconsistent player. Difficult one to call. He lost to Schwartzman and then beat Fritz on grass this summer. I mean, you, what can you say about that? I mean, Fritz hasn't got a great grass court summer, but losing to Schwartzman and then beating Fritz is, is unusual. Should have made the final at Eastbourne on the grass. Mackenzie McDonald but managed to fail somehow from a set and 4-1 up against uh, Francisco Serendolo. If you look at what he's done on grass at main level this season, it's it's decent. 6-4 win-loss. Uh, and a 101 service points, one return points, one total, a whole break total of 100. Yeah, decent, but, you know, not not fabulous. As you said, Mitchelson's coming off a title win um, at the Chicago Challenger. I think this potentially could be a big factor. He's only 18 years old, um, not used to playing this amount of tennis, just winning a Challenger, and then immediately a couple of days later on a different surface as well, playing at main level, winning a couple of matches. I, th- I think his legs are going to, are going to go, to be honest. Unless, unless the adrenaline carries him through, I would suggest that he's going to have to really dig deep into his energy reserve. He, does, he doesn't have the biggest of serves anyway. Mitchelson, which isn't ideal for Newport, as I listed the, the earlier um, previous winners earlier on, they're all, they're all sort of big servers. Um, it's a match that McDonald should be winning at the, the, at the respective stages of the careers that they're at. Again, I looked at McDonald in this price range when he's been priced between 1.51 and 1.69, which is minus 196 and minus 145 in American. His record is is all right, 12-7, win-loss, pretty decent. But he has lost three of his last five. So it's, it's a bit of a, an enigma, McDonald. Um, I think he'll win it and probably aided by fitness, um, maybe 2-1. That was a 3.75 uh, plus 275 chance of Bet Rivers. That's perhaps what I'd be looking at there. It's one that McDonald should win, really. McDonald should win. Uh, Isner's our outsider. What are your official picks, Sean, for the six matches we talked about? I'm just taking Isner as my one official play. Just um, one official just play out of the six matches we have in. Bustard, Gustard, and Newport. John Isner, plus 175 to beat Tommy Paul. Remember, there's three ways, four ways to follow us here on Betting Weekly Game Match. Download the podcast, Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on your preferred podcast provider. Follow us on our YouTube channel at the Bet Rivers Network and give us a follow as well on our Twitter and our Instagram page at Because We Win. Uh, myself and Sean are going to have a little bit of a break now uh, until Sunday. We'll be back uh, on Sunday looking ahead to the tournament in Hamburg. And next week, we'll be on our Instagram account from Hamburg in Germany, giving the best bet. Sean, have a in great weekend in the rain. Uh, take your umbrella. <laughs> take care, everyone. All the best. Nigel.